Hello and welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. want to remind everybody, it is Cartoonist Kayfabe-tober, and we are in the home stretch, but there are a lot of great prompts remaining here. So pick up those pens, show us what a talented audience we have out in the Cartoonist Kayfabe audience, and make sure you tag us so that everybody can enjoy the uh, your hard work. Also, we have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon with three different levels that'll get you access to the videos early. And at the King Kayfaber level, you'll get access to all of the videos first because you will sit in on the recording session. In between these videos, we are talking to King Kayfabers right now, as a matter of fact. So check out the Patreon, see which level suits you best because uh, it will allow you to get these books that we show off before they disappear or before they go up in value, what we call the kayfabe effect. So check that one out now. And finally, we are a daily comic book video series here on YouTube. We've been doing this for five years, 1,500 videos under our belt. You can go to the homepage on YouTube for Cartoonist Kayfabe and you can search for your favorite cartoonist or your favorite comic book. All right, speaking of favorites, Ed, we are here to look at the 1986 zine. I feel like I've been talking about this one for quite a while, and um, no secret, 1986. This is when comic book shops take over as the number one distribution of comic books from newsstands. So, Jimmy, I feel like you made this for me, dude. Like, <laughs> like, like this, this is uh, something that, like, I would never take the time to do this, but... I am so thrilled that it exists because it's to, to have this, I almost see the channel as a version of this, if that makes sense. But it, you know, it's this like longer spanning thing. What you've cobbled together here, every page is a banger. Well, Ed, this is kind of how I look at comics. And I think doing the channel has made me look at it more because it is like, I'm trying to look at everything that's going on in 86 in terms of comics. And um, it's a companion piece. I had done the BW zine many, many years ago. You did a couple versions of this cover. I did, yeah. Well, you know, you do one, and uh, these are small print runs, so I don't do like a proof. You know, I do one, I look at it, I think about it, and uh, I thought I could jazz up the cover a little bit. So what you're seeing here is what I'm going to be selling on my website. This is cool, man, because uh, I remember in design class, the teacher, day one, puts up on the board, design, definition, unity with diversity. That's and, pretty good. And so, like, this is unity, with it, and the diversity is just the font, but it's all the same point size. But this would be, like, you know, in those famous artist tests, like, which one is the better? Like, it's size, shape, font, all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking at it on the monitor, and it definitely, to me, this one pops a little bit more. So that's what I was going for, you know. Um, these are kind of fun projects. They're the exact same dimensions and everything. They're basically magazines. Like, people talk about Super Mag, a magazine I had made years ago. In a weird way, these could be Super Mags number two and three. So I figured we would just do a little quick preview, go through a few of these pages, and give everybody an idea of what exactly this strange magazine is. You know, what is 1986, right? So one of the things you see as soon as you open it up is the end pages. I always think of this stuff, too, as like the parts of the book. Yeah. And end pages, of course, we talk about it on a lot of the books that we look at. And it's just random comic book covers. I guess they're not random since I picked them from 1986. And, you know, there are shocking things like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles first book, the uh, full color graphic novels that we would see in Walden Books. And we've looked at and talked about those things begin in 1986. Like, before the cartoon or anything first recognized, like, this is something, let's color it and try to sell it in bookstores. But I think, like, a lot of these covers, like, we've encountered. 
I was oh, yeah. not a big reader in 1986. I don't know if I even looked at comics in 1986, but all this stuff was the shadow that was cast when I start in like maybe 88 or so. Shots to power comics. It's all in there, man. You know, comics journals. Uh, it's just, there was so much good energy around comics. Hulk Hogan on the cover of a Mad Magazine. And if you look at the fine print Rambo on the top of that one. So so you turn your pages, you get an advertisement in the beginning and it's it's Gilbert. Love and Rockets to me, a big staple of this time period. And I love this idea of reality fantasy because that's kind of my idea of comics, right? It's everything. What is What doesn't fall under that umbrella? And I think it's a striking image as well. And January 1st, 1986, for our table of contents, pulled out of an Amazing Heroes. Um, just playing with, you know, try to take the most advantage of the space. This was a piece that was a comic book size, so I had some margins to play with. And I thought I'd throw in the uh, the best, 10 best comics from 1985, according to Amazing Heroes, one of their reviewers. But it gives you that snapshot. I'm trying to let everybody recognize what is going on in this year that makes it so great. Watchmen and uh, Batman Year One ads, pretty iconic. I think both of those. Marvel making their big move, right? <laughs> we did. Uh, I encourage everybody to check out some of our uh, courtroom dramas uh, on the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. And Jim Shooter, who is never going to be a shoot interview guest. That's I'm, what people say I'm in the comments. I'm quite sure. Uh, is deposed and has to talk about like what he's doing for Marvel. And he talks about how big Dark Knight is. And he says it's, it's, it's a part of the record. That Marvel's answer to the Dark Knight <laughs> is the new universe. And I, and I wish I would have included that excerpt. It's gone right in here. It's the great <laughs> it might be one of the greatest kind of uh video verite moments of capturing a real moment from cartoonist Kayfabe on the channel. Because when we would do those videos, it's like we ha we have we know what we want to cover. We're gonna read this thing, but I didn't read it ahead of time. So as a, the words are coming out of my mouth. And my brain is processing how specious yes. those claims are. I couldn't help but cry laughing. <laughs> little summary of all of the new universe titles, too. So a lot of this stuff I'll, I'll mix and match, yeah. you know, from different, different places, whether it's an ad or reviews or whatever. And I do put a lot of the ads in because I think that's a snapshot. Iconic. This video is brought to you by the books that we make. The best way to support Cartoonist Kayfabe is to buy our books. I have Street Angel, Princess of Poverty coming out in November. You need to pre-order that one now. It is part of a set with Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, collecting all of my Street Angel comics. October 26th, I will be selling my self-published comics on jimrug.com. That includes True Crime Funnies, the BW zine, and the 1986 zine. And Hulk Grand Design, my contribution to the Grand Design mythos is sold out at the distribution level, so pick that one up if your comic shop still has a copy. Ed's Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus will be in stores in November. I recommend that you pre-order this one. Get your name on a copy because these are going very fast. X-Men Grand Design Trilogy Trade Paperback will be out in November collecting all three volumes of X-Men Grand Design by Ed Piscor. And Red Room, Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings are already out, and in January they will be joined by Crypto Killers. And now back to our video. In many ways, like this is the stuff I know more of because they would run in multiple places. Exactly, you, know, you might see this in which, three or four places, which 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 makes it the iconic thing. And and uh, every every page is iconic. Moon Dogs, a little write up of Moon Dogs, one of the uh, few comic book chains that existed. Yummy Fur is represented here in a Scott McCloud review. There's just so much stuff. Um, I went through everything I could find: comics journals, Amazing Heroes. Uh, comics interviews, you know, you'll see some of these pulls from the from the various places. Comic feature, I think we recently got a stack of, but I had a couple of those from 1986. And of course, the big piece is Dark Knight. 
You know, I think in a lot of ways, this is the book. Dark Knight and Mouse were the revelations going through here. Because I think of Watchmen as 1986, but Dark Knight and Mouse kind of drew the spotlights to comics. Yeah. And then when people started looking, they were like, oh, Watchmen's like the best superhero comic. Yeah. But it wasn't the one that was doing the Rolling Stone covers and the spin features and things like that. Makes perfect sense. Definitely. It's, it's, you know, you're creating something from whole cloth. I was super excited to find this, the uh, press release for Dark Knight Returns. Peggy May is the contact person. I think that's Peggy Burns, the current publisher at Dark, Drawn and Quarterly, I think. But it's it's fascinating, and um, I actually saw a collection of like 1986 press releases from DC Comics, which I don't have, but I kind of wish I did. Like, it's the same vein, you know what I mean? It's somebody making one of these kinds of books and uh, and just kind of putting together a bunch of stuff that makes sense. But I'm trying to keep up, you know, represent a little bit of everything. I have like the end of Harvey Comics is coming up around this time, you know. Um, Kurtzman being reprinted by Dennis Kitchen early air cell ad, very early air cell ad. And then Dave Stevens, I just watched the Dave Stevens documentary, kind of re-fell in love with his work. And it's like, well, what covers are coming out of Dave Stevens? So you get a Dave Stevens gallery. Same thing with John Romita Sr. doing the cover for San Diego 1986 Comic-Con. It's almost too good. You know, like you start looking for this stuff and I see it now still everywhere. Right. All, you know, 1986 is all I can find. Even outside of comics, it seems like that number. I, I have to like, Un, unbe that obsessed guy now, like a race 1986. Um, here's one that people probably won't know is the 86 zine. Dylan Williams used to do this where he would have like a zine that would feature some artist, usually a golden age artist, somebody that was forgotten or hard to find. And he would just put together a bunch of their art, make a photocopy zine sort of like this, and then share it with other artists, which was kind of a service, if, you know, before everything was available online. So he did that in 1986? No, no, no. The name of the zine was 86. Oh, okay. I was going to say, goddamn. Yes. No, it would have been amazing. Uh, first appearance of Xenozoic is 1986. Mark Schultz's uh, outstanding comic. I ended up running a wrestling ad here. This is Solson Comics, one of the uh, fly-by-night uh, black and white publishers out of the 80s. They had some kind of discount on a uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated subscription on the back of one of their books. And with 1986, the year in wrestling on that ad, I had to include it. So you have an ad for an aftermag, a literal aftermag inside of a comic book dirt sheet. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The issues of Love and Rocket that are printed that year. First Kingdom finishes up. We just did a video on First Kingdom. So, you know, again, like once I started looking, all of this stuff starts coming out. You know, you start to see these dots and it is the person with, imagine me with all kind of comic stuff on my wall and, you know, connecting these things with colored yarn and whatnot. Um, a Transformer ad, which is what Copacetic Comics, you know, BEM was Copacetic Comics, earlier iteration of a store by Bill Boyshell. And I had some of this stuff like the Fanographics ad, it was going to be your store hours ad, but featuring Love and Rockets characters. I had this set up separately, but I had to trim pages. I did like uh, 100 pages to start with and had to trim it down to 80, but I didn't want to get rid of content. I wanted to make stuff stronger. Tom Grinberg, man, kind of OG P Pittsburgh uh, artist, and uh, he did that piece, if I remember right. Yes. And, and Bill will tell you that uh, he created Rorschach. It looks like it. <laughs> it's very striking. Um, again, trying to do the cross-section of what's going on in comics. The Akira Club lists what chapters were published. Genius. So, you know, these are 1986 publications in Japan, not in America, but it still was like, well, what's going on in 1986 all, all over the place? Yeah, dude. this is It's so it's so holistic, so all-encompassing. There's a couple of excerpts from, like, Kim Thompson and, and different uh, editors just crushing the knockoff Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, kind of comics. 
This is a collection of what was solicited in the 1986 summer preview special. It's like 13 of these knockoffs when in, in one season. When something hits, man, it becomes, you know, cryptocurrency or so. Like, uh, that's what we got here. Just a bunch of fucking rug pullers. <laughs> hey, no, no, no pun intended there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so here are some of those editorials. Cut it out already with this, this stuff is crap. Why are you spending your money on this garbage? Yelling at fans on this one. And down here, this isn't funny. This sucks. <laughs> the yeah, people really responsible dumb. for this diarrhea of the printing press should be ashamed. And there are guys who have not never gotten out of it. Like they, dudes who are making comics at that point are still doing du jour shit comics that just like kind of jump onto bandwagons. It's crazy. Like their whole careers are that. Yes, it's it's mind blowing to think of like how successful are comics at this time that you can do deep level knockoffs and it's still profitable. It can't get more loserish. Um, I found this Damlog ad, and Damlog is Rain Ness, an, an artist I really like out of that black and white time period. I'd never seen this ad before, so maybe a piece of uh, Rain Ness artwork that you know, unless you have the the original issue, and, and you're not going to find. And look at that man, Mark Panacea. Apologies if I didn't pronounce the name right. I've seen him do pinups and stuff in uh, Ninja Turtles. He was the ex-editor when, yes. whenever I was uh, doing Grand Design at the very, very beginning. I believe he's the publisher of Acid Rain Studios, which is like a late 80s black and white. They did a couple of things, like a couple of vampire stories, but I think that that was uh, one of his claims to fame. And speaking of claims to fame, Chris Silver of Silver Wolf gets a uh, two-page spread talking Silver Wolf. He has published a few different um, uh, publishing companies, but Silver Wolf was his first one. And one of the reasons that I included this is they describe him as being like basically this dude that would be out in the parking lot, had a comic book store, be out in the parking lot, flipping around nunchucks. Like he is, so sounds he, like the ultimate, the ultimate kind of comic book nerd. He lives the gimmick because <laughs> like uh, Silver Wolf feels like that to me. Yes. Absolutely. When, and um, by the way, when you say that, you, you, you think of the guy in Ghost World, yeah, right? 100%. <laughs> With the steps in the hair, like MC Hammer and stuff. And it's hard for me to not think like, he must have been known because, you know, that description is in here and it's, it's uh, people online. Like I pulled these off of, of various websites kind of talking about Silver Wolf and they describe him that way. And it makes me think like, Klaus must have heard of this dude. Indie comics right. in the 80s, you know, Stan, you can just picture him with a mullet out in the parking lot swinging his nunchucks around. <laughs> but for the uh, completist out there, Silver Wolf Comics Index, and some of these books were published in 1987, but it's a complete index, creators and little summaries, and it's like six-point type in order to fit it all on there. Shout to uh, L uh, Lorenzo Lazana, St. Louis cartoonist who kind of gave uh, Jim Mafood his first starts, man. He did Steck or Stetch number one for uh, Chris Silver. <laughs> Is Rob Liefeld's name mentioned in some of these? Because you'll get guys, uh, you'll get um, Ron Lim mentioned, obviously Tim Vigil. And I think Rob was maybe supposed to do a Silver Wolf thing. He's probably listed in there, wouldn't surprise me. Um, I have come across his name. I have a lot of Silver Wolf stuff in my collection and, and stuff that people have sent us, like like uh, loose paper that's kind of bound, yeah. which I don't know if they're previews or in between launches or what they are exactly. But I have seen his name in association with them. So, um, again, with the idea of just kind of taking a survey of what's happening, Usagi Yojimbo summer special. You know, he's starting to break out this character, and you can see 
early days of, of uh, Stan Sakai style-wise, you know, a lot of evolution to go. But I always loved it whenever I could find an ad like this because, one, it's comics, but it also gives you kind of that introduction, gives you a snapshot of that of that piece. And uh, just playing around, some of the stuff is collaged, as you can see here from interviews, you know. Electra is really a punk book. This is Bill Sienkiewicz quotes and things around Electra. I like this spread showing us uh, Charles Burns, what he's up to at that time, along with highlights of literally highlighting the part from 1986 of what he's doing that year. And then on a facing page with Matt Wagner, who, uh, you know, a guy with a career, I think of him as like, he's most known for his creator own work, even though he's done tons of Batman and he's done like mainstream big publisher stuff, but it's still Grendel and Mage, yeah. which very unique to a creator. And I do think that, uh, you know, he's, that's a consequence of 1986 being such a boom year because the people who are really into that, like they're the old timers who are like, you need to fuck with some Grendel comics. You need to mess with some Mage comics. They were reading them at the, at this time when like the glut of readership was at, at a high. I don't know if it was at its highest high, but uh, you know, he's benefited from, from that, that blip. Absolutely. And I wonder if some of it is because he was in color in 86 because he talks about like the the first Grendel series was black and white, but it was before the black and white boom. And, right. and stores didn't buy black and white books. Like you were really in trouble if you were trying to make your living off of black and white comics in like '83 or so. Uh, so by the time '86 rolls around, Mage is in color. This new Grendel monthly series is in color, and it might be something that really separated them from the uh, the other books on the on the rack. Found this going through. I think this was an Amazing Heroes pool, but it's Rick Parker. And this is, you can see it's broken up into strips that I put together, but it's across the bottom of like a Rick Parker, a, a letter that we're friends with and we've talked about in the past. And I put them all together in one page, but where else are you going to get a names lettering guide strip, you know, talking really the craft of what a letterer does. There, at the bullpen, there were all these kind of like little strips that were drawn in people's free time that uh, never left the offices. I read a Jack Gable one that, that that my lettering teacher, who was friends with Rick Parker, Phil Felix, put together uh, just about uh, celebrating Jack Gable. And two or three other ones. I, I think the the Wally Wood 22 panels was kind of circulated that way in the bullpen. That's, that's how it first kind of happened. So they were definitely taking liberties with the Xerox machines uh, yes. at Marvel Studios. I believe we recently heard B6 was the pen nib that Klaus lettered Monica with. Pretty sure that's the one that somebody noted in our comments. Um, I, I would have ideas too of like, oh, let's do a war page because war comics used to be such a big thing. And by 86, they're not quite that big of a thing. But that's kind of the idea. And some of these pages was just trying to figure out like themes and things. But there were definitely some noteworthy things like what's Joe Kubert doing in 1986? Yeah, this is a collection of mm -hmm. older strips, the Green Berets and uh, Dean Mullaney, somebody out there. Like these Blackthorn things were shit. So uh, I'd like a nice collection of those, please. Yeah, and I don't know when those were originally done, but it's early days of, like, you know, Green Berets and Special Forces being, I don't know, starting to kind of enter the, the vernacular, because this was definitely done years before. Uh, Nam number one. Uh, I also tried to note whenever I'd come across, like, any Japanese comics, because there weren't a ton of those at the time. So, got to try to pull that together, and the Doug Wowdy giant signature with the 86 couldn't resist that. <laughs> and, of course, I am paying attention to the black and white boomers and that includes solson right what's so, the solson guy up to these days jim that's a uh that's a good question everybody can google him i believe he's <laughs> active on facebook with some of his ideas out there you might find some videos with him with a sword <laughs> uh but you might also note jim lee's first uh, professional credit we, samurai santa we've got a video uh show, showing that one off 
found that one in the quarter bin once. It's incredible how many books like these fly by night black and white publishers. Just like Silver Wolf, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, let me like, put out 40 books as fast as I can. And I uh, I remember buying that one when I was buying a gang of uh, Eastman and Laird Turtles. Nobody was fucking with Eastman and Laird Turtles in like the mid-late 90s. I got almost a whole run for a quarter, 20 cents, whatever. And one of those was in it. And I'm like, man, I don't even know this. Did they do two rounds of micro series? And uh, opened it up and it's just showing you how to swing a nunchuck, but like with bad drawings. <laughs> They did a lot, too. I think they might have done like eight or nine books that would have had turtles somewhere in the title, that's you know, in so that funny. license. And it's wild to think, like, that's the same time that First is licensing yeah. the turtles to do, like, high-quality color graphic novels. Um, of course, Dark Horse starts up in 1986, so little note to Dark Horse Presents. The Jack Kirby stuff is kind of at its height of Marvel give Jack Kirby his artwork back, and everybody was hopping on that, including uh, Dark Horse doing some stuff. You even got some controversy. Yeah, how there. about that? The uh, order of, of battle uh, indexes that Marvel put out with G.I. Joe, I think it's like the third issue. There's uh, Rocky Balboa. It's an announcement. Yes. And then uh, in issue four, they had to like do the recantation or whatever. Like uh, I think that's in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, it's underneath it. They had to uh, retract that. Right. Issue uh, print a full page retraction Marvel had to print. Yeah, it's it's such a legendary thing, and and there's a uh, character in '86 uh, called uh, Big Boa, who's a cobra guy who has boxing gloves, and uh, he might have like a mace, like like I, think a, I remember him, like a stick with two boxing gloves on either end. He was supposed to be the villain that would be fighting Rocky. It's incredible, and the lack of likeness of yeah. Rocky in this, <laughs> this drawing is <laughs> appalling. One of the great insults I ever heard somebody <laughs> say to somebody was. You look like the Marvel Comics version of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and, 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 and and there's a meme video floating around right now. And it's uh, th this website that's like a chat roulette kind of website. And there's this girl uh, at the top and she's the stranger. And the video is recorded by the guy at the bottom. And she's like, man, your house looks ugly. And, and he's like, look at you, man, you, with your featureless face. You look easy to draw, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. It's like generic face. That's hilarious. You look easy Comic to draw. Comic book nerd insults. That's so funny. <laughs> you know what else happened in G.I. Joe in 86, I believe, is the first appearance of Sergeant Slaughter in the comic book. And I was trying to right. figure out how to bring that one in, and I, and I just I didn't find a panel that really, like, popped to that me. That makes sense. So I didn't end up including it, but it was something that... You know, there's a lot on the cutting room floor. This I, could probably be a monthly comic. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'm going to end, I think... Well, at the center spread. Yeah, there's there's one or two more pages that I that I really... I might do one more page after this. But the center spread... So, you know, whenever you're making a zine or you're making a comic, often it pops open to the center spread. So I always tell people, you want to make sure that center fold is something good because that may be the first thing everybody sees once they pop it open. This is what the image comic dudes are up to in 1986, you see the first appearance of Youngblood appears in print in Megaton. Um, McFarlane is doing Infinity Inc. and Incredible Hulk. There's Eric Larson profile, first appearance of Savage Dragon outside of his self-published titles. Jim Lee create with Brandon Choi creates Wild Boys, submits to Marvel, and is hired by Marvel. So a lot of activity out of the image guys in 1986, and a lot of them super early in their careers. Oh, absolutely. You know, to, to think that like, Jim Lee gets hired by Marvel in 1986 and by 1991 sells 8 million copies of X-Men. Boy, that's five years spent well. Yeah. Um, and then Valentino on the next page, he had been doing Normal Man a good bit and uh, and then went back to Valentino, which was like auto-bio stuff. So it doesn't fit on the spread, but I, I did want to include that. 
All right, so one more page that I wanted to show off, because as I was putting this together, like the pages and how they connect is a big thing for me. And I had, uh, is Dark Knight fascistic? Frank Miller debates Gary Groth on the subject of Dark Knight's politics. It's interesting to watch Dark Knight as it progresses. There'll be a few more pages of like excerpts from Dark Knight related information because it sells out fast. Right. You know, it ends up going through like three printings in the first month. Like it's sold out before it even hits the stands. And so like that's one storyline is how gangbusters it is. The other storyline is, hey, these comics that aren't for kids anymore, maybe that's a problem. So you get some of that storyline as well. And uh, here's some backlash now starting against Dark Knight and whether it's uh, fascist in some of its concepts. And so, of course, the facing page, destroy, 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 destroy. Scott McCloud's um, loudest comic book in the universe, and I have it throwing, like, the Zot mini-comic that Matt Fazell did to pieces. You know, it's almost like it's exploding off of there. So, you know, trying to, uh, again, represent kind of that full spectrum of comics from 1986, but also tell the story of what was going on throughout that year in comics as... Things really changed in terms, I think, of the way the public saw these comics. And then, of course, the way these comics were actually sold made a big difference and allowed a lot of the self-publishers, a lot of the small publishers, and a lot of the alternatives to Marvel and DC to really gain a foothold or at least have an option of trying to gain that foothold. Jimmy, this zine is incredible. Uh, like I said, but I feel like uh, you, you sort of did the Lord's work because I certainly would never be able to take the time to do it. And I'm so glad that you did. I'm so glad to have a copy. And the people are going to flip, man. Like, the real comics historians are going to dig this thing. But just if you take a shot in the dark and grab this comic, every single page... I Like, what I glean from this for myself, pure inspiration. Every page. It excites me about the medium of comics. Uh, because it's an illustration. It's a snapshot of, like, what's possible with the form. It all came out in one year. So, so it's like, there's great context to kind of wrap your mind around it. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's special. It, it, it makes me love the medium, you know, more than I ever thought. Well, thanks, Ed. I'm glad, glad to hear that. And these are now available on my website while supplies last and, um, very fun to put together. So, uh, yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with 1986 or just know it a little bit, this will certainly bring you up to speed. Jimmy, uh, Say no more. You good to go? I am. Let's get out of here. Okay, Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. Cartoonist Kayfabe-tober is upon us, 2023. These are your drawing prompts. Make sure that you tag us, add us. Make sure that we see these uh, pieces that you put together so that we can share those with our audience at large. Boost your numbers. Get, get your name out. And uh, it's always a pleasure to see what you guys come up with. We are a daily YouTube channel, and uh, with more than 1,500 videos in our filmography at this point, some stuff might have slipped your radar, and we might have talked about your favorite comics. Give the channel a search for your favorite titles, check out those episodes, and if we did not cover your favorite comics, put something in the comments, let us know what those comics are. We could push those comics a little bit higher on our to-read piles. The uh, videos are supported by the King Kayfabers on our Patreon. They get access to all the videos before anybody else. They're hanging out with us right now in a live stream recording session as we put together uh, this week's worth of videos. And uh, we are very much in appreciation for the King Kayfabers who are supporting the channel. Ultimately though, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Before You is a sample of our bibliography to date, but we are working all the time. And coming October 18th is the 
Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus. You guys have been watching this comic kind of develop over the this past year of 2023, and it is almost upon us. And about 75% of this print run is accounted for already, which I have to absolutely thank you guys for. Uh, what that also suggests is if if you even think that you want this, you better order it up quick because uh, that last 25% is going to go pretty quick whenever uh, you know stores sell stuff off the rack and then have to re-up. 500 plus pages, 150 page of additional material, and uh, best book I ever made. Please scoop that up. Not the only holiday effort to come in 2023. Uh, in November comes the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback. Uh, it's crazy how uh, this one works because it's probably off to the press right now, mere weeks before its release, so I don't have a comp copy to show off. So it's going to be smaller in scale than what you're, you're looking at, but these big volumes, some of them are out of print, and it's going to have all of my X-Men Grand Design work in there. Please check that out, man. It's perfect. Jump on point for any X-Men fans or, or uh, you know, enterprising X-Men fans if you're curious about that title. Red Room has been my focus uh, the past couple of years in terms of new comics. Two trade paperbacks out. The Antisocial Network. Trigger warnings. Uh, it's Halloween time, right? Read some uh, tongue-in-cheek horror pot boilers. There's going to be a third volume coming out in January. It's called Crypto Killers. And uh, it is the best round of comics uh, yet. Each one of these is self-contained, though. It has four complete uh, self-contained stories. If you see either of these out there in the wild, give it a shot. Jimmy, tell the people what you got going on. Hulk Grand Design is my contribution to the Grand Design mythos, and it is sold out at the distribution level. So pick that up if it's sitting on your comic shop shelves right now, because these are going to become harder and harder to find. Coming out in November, Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. You need to pre-order that one now. It collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Deadliest Girl Alive, also available from Image Comics. These two books together will comprise the complete set of all of the Street Angel comics that I have made so far. And I have been self-publishing lately and will be selling these on jimrug.com, my website, at the end of October, October 26th. That will include the BW zine, uh, highlighting panels and art and ads and editorials from the uh, black and white explosion comics of the 80s that I love so much. The 1986 zine is all about the year 1986 whenever comics really kind of, the direct market in comic shops took over the direction of comics in, the, uh, in America. And True Crime Funnies, these are nonfiction stories uh, featuring traditional true crime subject matter like a uh, drug cop, but also featuring some wrestling stories uh, from the early 20th century, as well as an Andy Warhol soiree into wrestling one night. So check those out. Mark your calendar, October 26th, jimrug.com. And if you can't wait that long, you can read a lot of this stuff on my Patreon, patreon.com slash jimrug. The books are the most important part to keep the channel uh, solvent and to keep the videos coming to you on a regular basis, but there are some ways to directly support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, let the people know. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. It's a way for us to keep you up to date on what we have going on and where we're going to be. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, stickers, all kinds of stuff at our spread shop, and that link is also under this video in the show notes. There you have it. Plethora of ways to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, please give the people their final marching orders and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.